Hey everyone, Don here. Uh, just wanted to hop on and uh, let you know before the video starts that there were a few technical difficulties with today's video. Uh, we got a new puppy. His name is Petey. I'm actually outside with him right now. <laughs> I was going to put him in this video, but he's just too excited to be in the video. So you may see Petey pop up from time to time in the video. I do apologize. Um, you may notice lights flashing and things just kind of going awry in the video. I sincerely apologize for that. But that said, um, I think it was a great video. I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Appreciate you guys. everyone welcome back to the show my name is Don Van Zant. this is the lost mission podcast uh, where our goal is to help us as believers get back to our mission of knowing and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ thank you so much for joining us for this special two-part episode where we will be responding to uh, Pastor Brent Marquis and his recent video entitled uh, answers for the confused this is this is our this is our second video. For the first video um, we recorded just earlier today. I've since taken a short break and I got some lunch, and uh, now we're back to record part two. So we're going to hop right into part two. We're roughly halfway through uh, the video, maybe a little over halfway as far as uh, the portion that I'm going to cover. The video itself is about an hour and a half, uh, so I'm going to crack the top on this drink. Last time we had an energy drink, I figure I need to slow down. So let's see what do we have. We have smart water, uh, passion fruit mango. So that's that's what we're going to be going with this time in this uh, portion of the video. So we're going to hop right back in where we were. Honestly, I've had better drinks than that. Oof, not great. <laughs> we're going to hop right back in where we were into the, the conversation, into our response to Brent's video. Um, Again, let me set the stage for those of you who may not uh, be watching the video but are just listening to the audio. We have Brent inside of his church. Looks like he's sitting on the platform. Uh, very comfortable. Uh, some nice chairs there. Uh, leg crossed over on one side. He's got his khaki pants and his and his pastor shoes. Um, nice button-down shirt. Brent looks good. Looks sharp. Uh, looks like he is prepared for a business meeting at his church. So uh, respect for the way the man has... Um, dressed himself he doesn't look like a podcaster like me he's not some dude with a you know a kind of a funny t-shirt and a hat um inside of a studio slash garage um and a microphone he, he's not a podcaster brent is a pastor and you know i have found this out in my time of doing a podcast that it is vastly vastly different than um preaching or teaching to a public audience it is not the same thing so I have respect for both. I have respect for those that do what I do and record podcasts, and I have the greatest respect for those in the pastoral ministry. Look, I'm not I'm not anti-church. Um, I'm a I'm a member of a local congregation. I fellowship with this congregation. I'm a part of these people. I'm I'm pro-church. Uh, <laughs> I think that that's where it's at. I think that people should be uh, Christians should be people of the church. <laughs> Look what we have here before we get back into the video. So, 
<laughs> Look what we have here. This is Petey. <laughs> Petey's hanging out with me today, um, if he can be a good boy. Uh, Petey is our new uh, puppy at our house, and he wants to come in here and chew on my cords and say hello. So <laughs> this is, is Petey. He wants to hang out. You can't be here, buddy. You can't be in the video. This isn't for you. This isn't for puppies. You're a good boy. Yeah, you're a good boy. Okay, we're going to try to record. Petey may be in here messing around <laughs> with the wires, with the cords, camera, who knows. <laughs> so we're going to try to do this. <laughs> that was Petey. Uh, okay, let's, let's try to get serious again. Let's get back um, into the video. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to jump ahead of myself a little bit with this comment, uh, but I just want to put this out there at the start of this video. Should have said it in the first episode, but I didn't. So there's this sort of this claim that's made by guys like Brent the, they they think nobody uh, wants to challenge them. Um, now, I, I did say reach out to me. I would love to talk with you. But, um, you know, I had already challenged Brent before he recorded this video. So he recorded and uploaded this video. I believe he live streamed it. But I know that he recorded it um, on June the 3rd of this year, 2023. I had made a post on Facebook uh, May the 16th of 2023 where I had said... Uh, if anybody knows how to get a hold of Brent, please have him reach out to me. I would love to uh, to talk with him. I would love to discuss with him the video uh, that he had he had made at that time. It was prior to this video. Like I said, over a series of a few different over the course of a few weeks, he had made several comments, and one of those clips had made its way um, online. I was responding to that. So the invitation still stands. Now, here's the problem. Uh, Brent is not on social media. I believe he has some sort of a business account, um, which, you know, he talks about his commerce. Um, he, his church, I could find no website for. I could find no address when I Googled his church. Yeah, I, I couldn't find you, Brent. Um, I was going to reach out to you and extend a sort of a personal invitation for you to come on my show and that way that we could we could talk. So that, inv that invitation still stands. I would very much like to talk to Brent um, about, about his claims, about his views. And hopefully we can still make that happen. I'm, I, I'm not anti-Brent Marquis. Um, I would love to still try and, you know, uh, know this man. I would love to be his friend. Um, <laughs> I... I I just, I just want it to be known that I'm willing to talk to Brent. <clears throat> now, my information is public. Um, I'm not going to put my private contact information out there. I'm sorry, I'm just not going to post my phone number to Facebook. I'm not going to post my private email to Facebook. I'm not going to do that. But my information is public. You can send me a private message on Facebook, on Instagram. You can reach out to me. You can drop a comment in this video and say, Hey, Don, uh, here's how you can get a hold of Brent. So, again, for those of you that are capturing these screenshots and that are sending these to Brent. Admittedly, he's had somebody sending them to him. Send this to Brent and let him know I'm willing to talk. I would love to. Um, maybe we could gain an understanding of one another. He could tell me where I've misinterpreted him. I could maybe tell him where he possibly has misinterpreted me, and we could be like men and bring some clarity to this. Not that I think that we would come to any agreement. That's not the goal. But it is to be men and to uh, address the fact that we are um, on opposite sides of this issue, um, but at the same time that we can have hopefully Christian fellowship and address one another in a respectful way. So, Brent, I'm willing to talk to you, sir. Uh, all right, just want to get that out of the way. Now I want to get back into the video here. Uh, as long as PD, <laughs> as long as PD will allow me to do that. All right. 
<clears throat> let's get serious. We're at a, roughly the 29 uh, minute, 49 second mark. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the video. And this is, this is where it gets really real. This is where it gets very serious. And I have a lot of things to say about this next clip, but let's, let's hear what he has to say. Oop, let's back up. Let's back that up. We'll start our recording and start. Okay, three, two, one, record. There we go. That's better. Do you know that there's only one sin that cannot be forgiven? Just one. And that is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you the times God's put his hand on me and used me because that don't make me special. But I promise you, if you talk to anybody that knows me, in my years, God's reached down and, and, and touched this old lump of clay and anointed it. And when you begin to blaspheme that, and you begin to mock that, you walk that dangerous line of blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Okay, let's pause right there. Brent, Brent makes some very serious claims here. Things that I take with the utmost of, of seriousness. Um, he mentions the unforgivable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And he seems to equate his words and his preaching, um, if you speak against that, with potentially uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He mentions a dangerous line. And I really feel like in this, at this point in the video, that this is the, the lowest point in the entire video. I don't think that anything goes any lower than this. So for a man to put his words on the same level as God's words, uh, it really takes a level of arrogance that I cannot even begin to understand. Like, I just can't, my mind can't process that for him to believe that his preaching is equivalent to the words of God himself. Now, look, even when I was steeped in the movement, when I was, when I was all in on this, when I, you know, was youth pastor, when I was going to Bible college, whenever it was my life, um, I never bought into this idea that says you, 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 you cannot disagree with the man of God because he might be anointed. First of all, I think that passage in Psalms and also in First in Chronicles is grossly misinterpreted. Um, I don't want to dive into that passage right now. There's an entire exegesis that we could do surrounding that, but it is grossly misinterpreted to try to apply that to your local evangelist or pastor. Um, but I do want to deal with the scriptures he's referring to, and we're going to see how that Brent is misusing the scripture here. We're just going to see it, Okay. So I, I believe the passages that he is referring to are from the books of Mark and of Matthew, where Jesus deals with um, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. This is what he says. And the scribes, this is from, uh, this is the Mark passage, Mark, Mark 3, 22 to 30. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying he's possessed by Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons, he casts out demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But it's coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, so Jesus is speaking back to the Pharisees, Truly I say to you, all sin will be forgiven uh, by the children of man, whatsoever blasphemies they may utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, 
but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. So that's Mark's rendering of it. Matthew says it similar, but a little bit differently. This is Matthew's reading. Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 to 32. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him. So that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, uh, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. I believe also Luke mentions it in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 10. We won't take the time to read that. We could. We could. I'm not, I'm not trying to skip past anything. So but here's the deal. There are various ways to interpret this passage, um, two at least, uh, with consensus sort of falling into these, these two categories of interpretation from various scholars, various commentators. Um, and I'm going to give these two interpretations to you, and then we'll go back and talk about what Brent has to say. All right, so number one, the first uh, idea of interpretation says, it is not possible to commit blasphemy against the Spirit because Jesus is referring to Jews attributing his works to Satan. Christ is no longer physically present, so it's not possible for us to commit this sin in modern times. So that's one view. One view says that this was directly spoken by Christ to the Pharisees when they said that the works he was doing were of the devil. He says, be careful because you're in danger of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because of the works that I'm doing. Well, Christ is no longer physically present, so we can't even commit that sin anymore. The second interpretation says this, it is possible to commit this sin today, but only in as much as one continually denies the works of Christ and blasphemes his name until the point of death, after which the Holy Spirit will no longer act in their lives to bring them to repentance. They have blasphemed the Holy Spirit in this way. Um, if you're asking for my interpretation, what I think that Christ is saying, I take the interpretation from the first group. I do think that it's it's not something that is likely to be done today. I think that it is something Jesus was speaking to specifically in and during his time and warning the Pharisees that they were going to blaspheme and blaspheme him and and receive no forgiveness, neither in this age nor in the age to come. Uh, so there's an eschatological tie into that. Um, there's 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 the idea of, of temple destruction. There's AD 70 and the fall of Jerusalem, um, and then not obtaining forgiveness. The judgments of God being poured out upon them. So uh, I do tend to hold to the, the the first interpretation that says that that we cannot commit this sin today. I think it's a fear tactic used by many, uh, but I hold that 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 view loosely, and I'm happy to be corrected by anybody who doesn't agree with me on that. But to that end. I think Brent's wrong. I don't think anything that Brent has said is right 
uh, hermeneutically or exegetically. I think Brent is very wrong here. Matter of fact, I think Brent is so wrong on this that I have really had to pray and search my soul and, and dig and try to find where I feel on this. Um, I think that we need to bring the heresy conversation uh, or the term heresy into the conversation. Now, I'm hesitant to say that I think that Brent has outright committed heresy here. I don't want to say that. I don't like to to, to put that label on somebody, but I do believe Brent is, is flirting with this idea, is getting close to being heretical in his approach by putting his words on equal ground with God. That if you speak against his sermon, you are essentially speaking against God and blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Um, I see shades of Gnosticism here. I see definitely shades of legalism. Um, one person brought to my attention that uh, when a person speaks this way, they're, they're close to committing the monastic or, or the Montanist uh, heresy. So I think that um, Bren is, Bren is in, he's in deep, deep water here. And uh, I think that he really needs to pull off of this. And if I were to talk to Bren, I, I would... I would call him to a place of repentance and say, sir, you're not God. Your words don't hold the weight of God. Uh, no matter how much you may have thought that you were speaking for God or have been anointed or have felt the Spirit of God, there was never, ever a time in your life when your words carried the same weight as thus saith the Lord. They just never have. Mine haven't either. Do you know what carries that weight? It's this book. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. This is the Word of God, a closed 66-book 66 canon of Scripture. That is what carries weight, and we, and we shall not blaspheme this word. Anything else out there is up for judgment. So, yes, I think that, that, that Brent is he's in dangerous water here. He's in, he's in, he's in very, very um, dangerous territory. I don't, I don't, I don't want to call it heresy. I really don't, but I think that he needs to repent of this action of this pride. And so I think that historically this bears itself out as well. It's not just my subjective opinion. Like I say, I think that if we were to research what historical Christian heresies were, uh, Gnosticism, legalism, uh, Montanism, we would see shades of Brent in all of these things, but, but also look forward to uh, Martin Luther and the Reformers and, and Martin Luther's uh, 95 Theses. Look, look, look toward what, what Luther had to say. I think that the, uh, the Reformers would be more so on my side. Um, so Luther, in a debate with, with John Eck, had this to say, A simple layman, armored with Scripture, is to be believed above a pope or a council without it. As for the pope's uh, decretal on indulgences, I say neither the church nor the pope can establish articles of faith. These must come from Scripture. For the sake of Scripture, we should reject pope and councils. Uh, so that was from a debate with John Eck, and Luther had some tough things to say to Eck. Um, but also in his, in his diet of uh, Worms, he had this to say when he was called into account, and I believe uh, this is his uh, right in that time when he makes his, um, here I stand, I can do no other, uh, so help me God, uh, speech, the famous, famous moment in Martin Luther's life. This is what Luther has to say. Unless I am convicted by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. And that's where I stand. Brent, I will speak against your sermons. 
any other preacher that is out there. I will speak against those things because I am bound to the Word of God. I'm not bound to a man. Nobody is bound to your words. You are a fallible man, and as such, your words stand the test of Scripture. And yes, I will speak against those things when I find them to be false. Furthermore, the, the, uh, the confessions, um, they, they would agree with us. So I have here copies of both the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith and the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. <laughs> I also have a copy of the Baptist Faith and Message, which is the Southern Baptist um, Confession. And all of those agree, but let me read to you what the Westminster Confession of Faith has to say on Scripture. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of His will which is necessary unto salvation. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal Himself and to declare that his will unto his church and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy underwriting which maketh the holy scripture to be most necessary. Those former ways of God revealing his will unto his people being now ceased. I'm not a cessationist. I'm a continuationist. I believe that God does, um, you know, operate, that the, that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation today, but I will never hold anything that a man says as authoritative in the way that, that Brent has held it to be authoritative. Never. And I think the historic Christianity um, bears out as much. Uh, for more proof, <laughs> let's go back to Luther, his 95 Theses. Now, the famous 95 Thesis of Luther, when he goes to the castle church in Wittenberg, and he nails to the door his thesis. He has 95 of these. And, and I read through the majority of the 95, wanting to see what Luther thought about papal authority. And I'm going to read to you um, Theses 5 and 6 of the 95 Theses. This is what Luther has to say. The Pope does not intend to remit and cannot remit any penalties other than those which he has imposed either by his own authority or by that of the canons. The canons, the scripture. The Pope cannot remit any guilt except by declaring that it has been remitted by God and uh, by assenting to God's remission, though to be sure he may, regret, uh, he may grant remission in cases reserved to his judgment. If his right to grant remission in such cases were despised, the guilt would remain entirely unforgiven. So Luther was opposed to papal authority, said that the Pope didn't have the authority to, to make these claims, and he was bound to Scripture. Uh, the confessions say that the church is bound to Scripture. Scripture binds itself to itself. It binds men to Scripture. Uh, Brent has taken... Brent has taken a sense of papal authority here, uh, believing he is able to say um, who God may or may not forgive. Let's, let's go back and let's see what he has to say. Let's just cut in right here, 30 minutes and 17 seconds. And when you begin to blaspheme that, and you begin to mock that, you walk that dangerous line of blaspheming the Holy Ghost. So you see, he, he is wanting to be the judge, the jury, the executioner. He's wanting to be the final authority in who has or has not committed this sin, and as such, who may or may not go to, to hell. 
And here's the thing. I've been saying for some time that the, uh, the holiness movements in many ways are just smaller versions of the Roman Catholic Church. They hold their pastors to an authority that's on level with the, the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope. Uh, we don't have little popes. Our pastors are not little popes. They don't have that degree of authority over us. And if you think that I'm wrong, if I'm exaggerating there, then, well, I, th- I think your proof is right here in this clip. I think it's right here with the words that we see from Brent Marquis. So if he hasn't committed um, heresy, he's at least ventured into that false prophet category. So supposing he doesn't fall into the historically defined category of heretic, he certainly falls under this umbrella of false teacher slash false prophet. And let's read some scripture about false teachers. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 to 20. This is toward the conclusion of Paul's uh, wonderful, wonderful book to Romans, to the Romans. Um, you know, I, I sent a buddy of mine a message earlier this week, and I said, you know, it's, it's crazy. You read Romans, and you think, I've got it all figured out. Then you go back, and you read it again six months later, and you think, I don't have any of this figured out. <laughs> That's how Romans seems to work. So we're at the end of the book of Romans. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, Watch out for those who cause divisions and cause obstacles, uh, contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught, to the doctrine you've been taught. This is the doctrine. This word is the doctrine you've been taught, and avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive their own hearts, or or deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent, as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So the doctrine that Paul is referring to here is not holiness doctrine. Not doctrine from, you know, about 100 years ago. He's rather referring to the Old Testament, Torah, Old Testament teachings, the prophets, uh, the, the New Testament um, apostles, even though their, their words hadn't been canonized as of that time, their teachings were, were being proclaimed throughout sort of um, the Mesopotamian uh, regions and, and in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Um, but Brent has plainly said that they've been teaching this for a hundred years. Let's go back to the, to the four minute and uh, 22 second mark, if I can get back to where he says that. Let's go to about right. Let's see, I think it's right around in here. Exactly what they believe. They're fighting old time holiness. I'm surrounded by this. It's been this been going on for a hundred years. Okay. He says it's been going on for a hundred years. Those are his words. Those aren't my words. That's not what I'm saying about Brent. That's what Brent said about himself. That can't be the case because a hundred years ago, you know what existed? Romans 16. 200 years, you know what existed? Romans 16. 300, 400, 500, 1,000 years, 2,000 years ago. You know what existed? Romans 16. Paul's not referring to holiness doctrine. He's not referring to the words of those men. No, Paul is referring to the word of God itself. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, but false prophets also rose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, uh, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And they will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. 
And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words, or as the, the NIV says, with fabricated stories. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their, and their destruction is not also, uh, their destruction is not asleep. So, we, and you've seen Brent in this video make up stories, talk about Mennonite girls and talk about going to the beach and, you know, the power team and just making things up, fabricated stories, which is exactly what, what's being mentioned here in Second Peter. You've seen Brent do this, acting as a false teacher. He tells false words, um, encouraging, talks about how the people have been encouraged to go and commit fornication. Um, and now look, 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 Brent, Brent, I don't, I don't know, but I'm going to assume right here, and I hate to operate on an assumption, but, but Brent uh, may try and excuse this as an exaggeration or a joke. You know, oh, I, I was just, I was just using hyperbole. I was being hyperbolic there. You know, I was, uh, I was just, it was just me. I was just saying. Um, but my goal here is to do this. I want to expose his lies. Let them pass it off however they want to. He's lied in this video said things that, that flat out were not true. Fabricated stories, said things that, that were not the truth. So yes, I think at this point, Brent should repent of his words. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next clip. I like here when they talk about what does the Bible say about how to treat our enemies. Does it say to break belittle them? Does it say to mock them? See, this is this sissy savior that we've got. We've got this sissy savior. Did you ever read where Jesus literally sat down and deliberately braided a whip? Not grabbed one, not said, give me that, and, and lost his temper. No. He sat down and braided a whip and proceeded to beat people with it. And say, you have made my house a den of thieves. Did you ever notice that Jesus called people snakes, vipers, hypocrites, whited walls, empty, sep empty sepulchers? I don't, we get this in now. When it comes to the lost, he was gentle. But when it comes to the religious Pharisees of the day, he had no time for them. Okay, so he mentioned the sissy savior, that we have this, this idea of a, of a sissy savior. And then he goes on to talk about Jesus when he cleanses the temple. Um, you know, and, and he's going to overlap a few passages here. It's striking to me. It's interesting uh, what he does. Let's, let's read the passages, and then we'll talk about them. So the two passages that he um, is, is sort of referencing here, the first one is taken from, and no, notice just locationally where these books are at or where, where these passages are at. Matthew 21, verses 12 through 13. You don't have to have uh, a high degree of biblical education to know that that's pretty far into the book of Matthew. Matthew has 28 chapters. This is chapter 21. We're getting toward the end of the book. Um, and then he's going to also reference John chapter 2. Well, John chapter 2 is the beginning of the book. We have two, two separate occurrences here. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 and 13, Jesus entered the temple, drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold the pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. 
Uh, John chapter 2, verse 15. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and uh, poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. So it does seem as though Brent is referencing the Johannine account, uh, the, the portion from John chapter 2. Uh, it seems to be where he's referencing, but but he apparently doesn't notice his slight error um, when it, when he when he talks about uh, Jesus and, and and his father's house being a house of prayer. Let's just go back and watch that part again. Let's see what he said. Not grabbed one, not said, "Give me that," and, and lost his temper. No, he sat down and braided a whip. That's John chapter two. And proceeded to beat people with it, and say. You have made my house a den of thieves. Okay, and that's Matthew 21. See, he's conflated these two passages. And, and, and you say, oh, that's just a simple oversight. Uh, that's, 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 that's no big deal. That's, that's nothing. And apparently Brent doesn't notice the error. He doesn't see what he's done here. He doesn't see where he's put these two passages together. And sure, we could say that's a slight over, uh, over, oversight on Brent's part there. Or possibly Brent hasn't paid close attention to his Bible. Maybe Brent isn't aware that what he has just said is twisting the scripture. Maybe Brent isn't aware of the fact that what he his own statement is taking scripture out of context and is misusing the word of God, the thing that I am bound to, and not to Brent. If I were bound to Brent, I would be bound to a liar right now. <sighs> And also, I think that there's a tie back into the book of um, Nehemiah whenever they cast out Tobiah out of the, the temple. And, you know, they cleanse the temple early on during Second Temple period toward the end of the New Testament or the Old Testament. But I digress there. Um, <clears throat> go read it, though. It's interesting to read of how Nehemiah handles things after he's gone for a certain period of time. And then he just casts people out. And Jesus does the same thing, cleanses the temple. It's just get rid of these, these wicked people. Uh, he mentions snakes, vipers, hypocrites. He uses all these terms that Christ definitely did use. He did use the terms. Um, I'll never deny that. I'll never say that Jesus didn't say those things because he did. Um, and possibly in Brent's mind, he thinks people like myself and uh, Marie and Holiness are Pharisees. And so if, if that's his in his mind, what he views things as, I'm ready to concede that point to him. Um, but he's just playing fast and loose with the Bible at this point to make his own point. <laughs> and you saw that in the way that he mis misused Matthew 21 and John 2. He's playing fast and loose. He's using the Bible to make his point. He says it so quickly that you wouldn't even notice it. Okay. Let's move on. And people look over here and, and they say, you know, they've tried to get them to talk. Nobody's tried to get us to talk. They're not going to. I know, I know some Bible scholars that, that said, Let, let's talk now. They don't want to talk. And they're deleting the comments just as fast as they can, just in case some real truth would get out there. Okay, I don't know what he's referring to. I'm not on the Berean Holiness team. I don't know. But, uh, so I'm not going to even try to, to make a defense for if comments are or are not being deleted. I'll let, I'll let the Bereans. Uh, handle that. That's their business, not mine. Uh, but I will say this. He says that nobody's reached out. That, sir, is not true. That is not true at all. Um, like I said, I, I made my uh, post on Facebook on May the 16th, and 
I didn't have a way to reach out to Brent, but I, I said I would love to speak to Brent. Um, if you don't believe me, then go back and read my post from May the 16th. Um, and then look at Brent's video from June the 3rd, this video. And you'll see that, yes, people had already reached out. Furthermore, I will say this, uh, the hosts of the Two Peas on a Pod podcast, often Gr- Austin Griffiths and Zach Cordell, I reached out to them as well after I made my rebuttal of their video with or their, their podcast with Tim Bram. I sent an email and they flat out denied me. They said that they wouldn't talk to me. So it's not true that nobody has reached out. I personally have reached out and tried to make connections with people. Um, I'm willing to talk. I'm willing to be rebuked. Um, I'm willing to be rebuked publicly if need be. That's fine. But to say that we've not reached out, sir, is not the truth at all. Not the truth. And and if you uh, want further proof of that, I can show you the emails. You can go to my Facebook profile right now and you can see from May 16th, the post that I made. Uh, it's, it's out there. So people have reached out. The reason I haven't contacted Brent personally, I don't have a way to contact Brent personally. And, and I'm not just going to try to track him down. I'm just not going to. I'm happy to talk to these guys. My information is out there public. Reach out to me if you, if you want to talk. Let's talk. <laughs> but no, it's not. It, it's very disingenuous and untrue to say that nobody's reached out. That is not the truth. All right, let's move on. We don't, we, don't need to, we don't need to rescue anybody off the pews of the homeless church. What we need to do is for some of you to quit punching your parents right in the face. Punching your grandparents in the face. Okay, that was a short clip, but I feel like a lot was said right there. He makes the statement, quit punching your parents in the face. Quit punching your grandparents in the face. Uh, this is manipulation. This is fear. Uh, this is not answers for the confused. As Brent has stated, this is supposed to be. He's not answering anything. Um, he's manipulating He's using fear tactics. Uh, from combating cult mind control, phobias are the ultimate fear weapon of mind control. Shame and guilt are used daily through a variety of methods, including holding up some member for an outstanding accomplishment or by finding problems in the group and blaming members for causing them. In every destructive cult I've encountered, uh, fear is a major motivator. Each group has its devil lurking around the corner, waiting for members so it can tempt and seduce them to kill them or drive them insane. The more vivid and tangible the devil, the more intense the cohesiveness it fosters. And the devil being uh, presented here is the devil of disagreeing with your parents or your grandparents. How dare you? It's all your fault. This would all just go away if you'd stop arguing with everybody. It would, it would cease. Uh, quit punching your parents in the face. It's just fear tactic. That's all, that's all this is, fear tactic. All right, next. No, no, I'm not against Brother L.D. Moore, but this is the common sense of the gospel. You have to be feeble-minded or willingly ignorant to to not see this, okay? When you say, Brother Brent, you are a false prophet, you're a bigot, you're this, you are saying that Brother L.D. Moore was one. Not that I'm as great a man as he, but I preach the same exact doctrine and believe everything he believed. He was my hero. If I'm a bigot, then Jim Morris is a bigot. If I'm a hyper-fundamentalist, and I'm not real hyper, I've got a lot of hyper people in my church, and I do believe in the fundamentals of the gospel, so I'm not really ashamed of that title. Don't scare me. But so was Brother Don Rich, Brother Joey Hype, Brother Russell McDonald. And I know good and well 
that Russell McDonald's family would want to punch me right in the mouth if I mentioned one bad word about their granddaddy. You don't have to worry about Brother Brent. I love the guy. But you guys that slandering that old preacher, you might as well just haul off and punch him right in the face when he hears what his children or his, or his family or his grandchildren or his, or his nieces, nephews, or old church members, whoever. Because I'm, I'm not on here. I'm just, I'm just naming a name. So again, I'm not accusing children. Or, I'm, just, I'm just making a statement, a, bl a blanket statement there. And I stated as such. I mean, these, these people these people laid hands on the sick and they were healed. They had power with God and with men. Oh, no, no, no. We're not saying, yeah, you're saying they are false prophets because every, Brother Dwayne Gallagher believes everything that Brother L.D. Moore believed. Brother Enoch Snow believes everything that, again, just, just, just pick you on and name them. Okay, let's stop right there. Um... <laughs> Wow, man, he goes on a name-dropping uh, tirade there. Um, refers to this common-sense approach. If I'm a false prophet, then you're saying L.D. Moore is a false prophet. I, I knew L.D. Moore a little bit. I used to go to, to Bristol camp when he would drive his golf cart around. I thought he was the nicest guy. Um, now, he was a little older when I first came into the, into the movement, so I didn't know uh, Brother Moore all that well. I have nothing bad to say about Brother Moore. Um, there's a fly buzzing around in this studio. Get out of here, fly. Um, I, I, I didn't know Brother Moore all that well, so I don't have this allegiance to, to L.D. Moore that Brent may have, but to that point, um, I'm not bound to L.D. Moore. I'm not. I am bound to Scripture. I'm bound to God. So, if it's L.D. Moore or Don Rich or Dwayne Gallagher or Brent Marquis or Don Van Zant or... Matt Chandler or David Platt or John MacArthur uh, or, or any, any other preacher that you can think of, uh, they are not the ones that we are to look up to. We may admire them for the good things they have done. We may appreciate their ministry, all of that, but they are not the authority. Um, we are to look to Christ. Name dropping is a weak move. And I've seen it happen a lot. What about so-and-so? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm truly sorry. No disrespect for any of these people, but I'm not bound to these people. I am bound to Christ. All right, let's move on. We're, we, we haven't come up with some new doctrine. You're not fighting Brother Brent and some doctrine he started. I told you, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just carrying what was handed to him because it's worked so good and it's in God's Word. The common sense approach to the Word of God. Common sense. It's, it's not that hard. And so we can get the Bible out. Give me the Greek. Give me the Hebrew. No, let's just give me some common sense. Was these old men of God men of God or not? Because if they were, that means that you're lost and you're on your way. Now, was Alvin Dovel saved and anointed or not? I don't worry about it. He, was he wasn't confused. He stood up and said, it's all under hell. And he meant what he said. Okay. <laughs> Again, I'm not bound to a man. I don't know who Alvin Dovel is. I've never heard that name before, so I can't say whether he was saved or not because I didn't know the man. It wasn't my job to say, but I do know this. It's not your job to tell me if I'm saved or not, sir. Um, and he goes back to this doctrine uh, speak again about, you know, he wasn't handed this, this, or he didn't come up with this. He was handed this. It's no new doctrine. Yes, yes, it is a new doctrine. It really is. Historically, it's a new doctrine. The holiness movement is roughly 100 years old, give or take 20, 30 years. Um, a fundamentalism was birthed 
as a counterculture movement during the um, sort of mid to late 1800s. I am a little fuzzy on the dates there, so but feel free to, to check me on this. Fundamentalism was birthed as an anti-Darwinian approach that believed in the inerrancy of Scripture, and they developed these, these fundamental principles of Scripture that I'm not, I'm not against any of that. I'm fine with those. But, but fundamentalism is not um, an old ancient doctrine. Fundamentalism is, is fairly new. Um, and the holiness movement has its roots back into Methodism, and you know that John Wesley unintentionally seemed to start the Methodist Church in the late 1700s. John Wesley, being an Anglican minister, came up out of the Church of England, had had great ties to the Church of England, stayed a part of the Anglican Church uh, for the majority of his life, but they didn't want much to do with him. Anyhow, the long and the short of it is that that he started the, this idea of Methodism and of, of, of keeping of, of, of service and, and of holy living, which eventually would morph and transform into the holiness movements and would later uh, merge with Azusa Street. Now, that would be birthed the Pentecostal holiness movements, and then later you would have the Assemblies of God, you would have the UPCI, and then much, much later down the way, you would eventually have these small groups that, that became uh, what is the holiness movement that I grew up in and, and was a part of. So is it a new doctrine? Absolutely, it's a new doctrine. <sighs> common sense. He keeps mentioning common sense. Common sense is Brent sense. I mean, just just do some research. Find out. Uh, feel free to fact check me on, on the statements that I just made, but um, that's a loose structure of how, of how it went. <laughs> okay, next clip. And the Bible says, without holiness, no man's going to see the Lord. Now, you may want to argue what is holiness, but many of these people on this chat would, would just plainly tell you, I used to be holiness. I come out, oh, let's celebrate. I come out of holiness. Hey, hey, hey. Might want to open this book up. Might at least want to just have enough sense to say, I'm a different holiness, okay? Which you're not, but just at least say something like that. Because when you say, I used to be holiness, I come out of holiness, you come out of being saved is exactly what you've done. Okay. <laughs> Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Let's just let's go over and read that. He said, "Open the book up. Let's open it. Let's see Hebrews chapter twelve, verses twelve through seventeen. Uh, Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather uh, be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord." See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he despised, uh, or, or when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So... Looks like I'm being attacked here. Come here, Petey. <laughs> I've got this little guy chewing on everything in here. Uh, I'm going to try to record a little bit with him. <laughs> so he mentions that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Um, and quotes the, the passage from Hebrews 12. Uh, but we need to understand that, that this idea of his holiness... Um, I don't understand. I, I just can't, I can't figure it out. Um, it's, it's not the holiness of the scripture. It's not Bible holiness. It's something else. 
It's, it's a man-made doctrine from roughly 100 years ago. That's what it is. Uh, what, and he says, you've come out of being saved. No, we've not come out of being saved. What's happened is uh, we have come out of man-made legalism for biblical holiness, and I'm striving for holiness and failing um, all the time, but I'm striving for that. I'm actually doing a series on my podcast right now called uh, Pursuing Holiness. That's what I'm going for. Um, so, and, and it's much more difficult uh, than just simple rule-keeping. <laughs> All right, little Petey. I got this guy wanted to come over and visit. Looks like he's torn my lights off the <laughs> off the shelf behind me. Oh, what a way to do a video. Go on, Petey. Oh, there you go, buddy. Okay. He says you've come out of being saved. There's a whole conversation here on the security of the believer. But this statement's not even not even that. It's not even about security. It's about works righteousness. So if you don't do these things, uh, you're not saved. Um, that's not the point of Hebrews. That's not the point of Galatians. That's not the point that, that Christ came to prove. That's none of that. Uh, uh, Brent's point is unbiblical. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the next clip. And watching filthy movies, and of course we know it's back every time. I'm being facetious here. Never one time does Christ say, I think you ought to just, you know what he says? He says, you ain't got the inside clean. And it's not either or, okay? You can't have the inside clean and not have the outside clean. You can't have the outside clean. You can have the outside clean and not inside, but that, you're, not, you're not saved. So you say, I knew somebody, bless God, their dress was down here, there, 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 and they had, a, they, they, they had an adulterous spirit. Well, that don't make the outward standard wrong. I went to Chick-fil-A one time and, and, and one of the employees was rude. I don't make Chick-fil-A a bad place because one person messed up. Because one part of it wasn't right. It, you know, and they just want to act like, well, I knew one preacher one time and he said something hurtful. So you just throw away the all holiness preachers? You just, that means that holiness ain't right? Brothers and sisters, there's problems in every denomination. There are issues and holiness people in general have way less than most all of them. Um, but Christ never told the Pharisees, you go out there, go out there and, 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 and you know, quit this and quit that and quit, quit paying your tithes. He said, no, you need to keep doing this. You just need to quit going out on the street corner and, and saying long prayers and peeking out the side of your eyes. He said, go in your closet and pray. Okay. <laughs> he takes Matthew 23, uh, verses 23 to 28, and, you know, uses the whole, you know, these things ought you to have done. And not left the others undone. And he just turns the scripture on his head. Uh, when I heard this and went back and read the passage, I was honestly impressed. I was impressed by the um, the hermeneutic gymnastics that Brent does here. He 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 so twists and turns the word of Jesus uh, until Jesus is saying the complete opposite of what is actually said in the text. Let's read the text. Matthew twenty three verses twenty three to twenty eight. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected uh, the weightier matters of the law, justice, and mercy, and faithfulness. These ought you to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out at a net, a gnat, and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee! 
First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. <laughs> so notice how, how Brent covers for the movement by acknowledging that some preachers do bad things. You know, it happens. It's, it's in every movement. There's bad things going on everywhere. But the movement as a whole is better than everybody else out there. <laughs> just, just notice that. I'll let you develop your own thoughts surrounding it. I won't comment any further. Um, but notice what Jesus does. He, he, he doesn't do that. <laughs> he doesn't cover for them. Uh, he calls them hypocrites. And I haven't heard Brent say that at all. He hasn't said, man, the holiness church, there's hypocrites in here. I haven't heard him say that. He hasn't said, woe to you, hypocrites. Um, but, but, but Jesus calls them that. They were so focused on tithing and outward appearance that they neglected justice and, and, and mercy and faithfulness. They neglected these things. So here's, here's the deal. Here's what, what makes holiness standards wrong. What is it that makes these things wrong? It's the insistence on pressing an unbiblical agenda without addressing issues of abuse, false doctrine, and self-righteousness. That's the problem. Focus on the outward with no focus on the inward. That's what makes holiness standards wrong. And I know that they have a hard time seeing that, but the whole idea of, of these things ought you to have done and not left the other undone, he, he is not saying leave one undone. He's saying stop focusing on these outward things and, and focus more so on the inward. That is the point of Jesus in this passage. Let's do both. You're straining at a gnat. You're swallowing a camel. You have these outward things done. You pay all of these tithes, but inside you are full of dead men's bones. Next clip. I believe this may be our last clip. No? We have a few more. Okay. Next clip. And here he says, Timothy, continue. And I'm getting a little long, so I want to hurry. I don't want to, I don't want to be up here too. I don't want to be too long with this. But, but continue in what you're learning. And that from a child, the, the whole Berean movement is saying, question everything you were taught as a child. You can't find that anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> If you raised good, if you go, you know why I'm here? Because I felt the Holy Ghost. I seen the blind eyes open. I seen the deaf ears unstopped. I seen God heal. I seen the alcohol except for you. I'm like, this is it. And I just continued in it. Okay. <laughs> he quotes 2 Timothy, uh, the Berean movement. Question everything. Well, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, uh, or you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim, and my life or my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from a child you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, <laughs> which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. Theopneustos. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, uh, equipped for every good work. So once again, it seems like Brent is conflating holiness teaching with scripture, and that's the opposite of Paul's point. That from a child, Paul hasn't known holiness doctrine. He's known the sacred writings. He's known the scripture, these God-breathed things. So really, that, what Brent is saying is the opposite of Paul's point. The idea of question everything is, is go to scripture as your final authority. Scripture is greater than man's tradition. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 20 through 22. Do not despise prophecies. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm not a cessationist. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Not, not signs, none of these things. Um, none of this evidence, these things have happened. Um, signs are good, but signs become a danger when we use them to validate our false teaching. So scripture is greater than signs. Next clip. Let's move on. For reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Not correct me because I've been living righteous and tell me how that I need to quit living righteous and start compromising, but, but giving for, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And boy, that's what I'm still working on. Me too. I'd like to say I've attained it, but I haven't. Now, here's the commission to the preacher. Everybody, all the preacher, the preacher. Here's what God says. So let me just pause right there, and I appreciate the, the, the little bit of humility I saw there. Um, Brent, I'm working on it too, brother. I've not attained. I've not gotten there yet. Um, I'd like to. I'd like to be a better man than I am, but I'm just not. Um, so let's 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 pursue on together. Sorry to keep looking off camera. I've got my I've got my dog in here. <laughs> He's trying to get into a mess. Petey. Petey. <laughs> oh, puppy dogs. They're great. Okay, so so Brent, um let, 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 let's carry on. He he makes a good humble statement there. And this was given to me when I was ordained. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove. Oh, reprove. Rebuke. Oh, and exhort. With all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine, but, shall, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned on to fables. And that's exactly what's going to take place at this convention. How do you know? How do you know this, sir? <laughs> he mentions instruction in righteousness, and he's, still, he's just twisting the scripture all up in knots. Uh, so again, the idea... The idea is not tradition and using scripture to support tradition. That's, that's, that's just not what it's about. It's allowing scripture to stand on its own two feet, uh, bowing our ways, our culture, our tradition to the scripture, and ultimately uh, to God's authority. It's refusing to read our own culture and interpretation into and seeing ourselves as undone in his presence, as Isaiah did in the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah, when he said, woe is me, uh, for I am undone. It's simply saying, God, I surrender myself 
to you and to your word, instruct me. To win this world, and they will heap to themselves teachers. I don't teach nothing. But again, you can make this Bible say anything you want. I can go over where, this is where, great. where Paul told one church, all I want you to do is avoid things offered to idols and avoid fornication. That's all I want. And I can say, that's all God wants. He just, but you know what? I think God's still against abortion, even though Paul didn't tell that church. I don't think God wants us to be drunk because there was other scriptures where Paul said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor drunkards, nor feminine, nor abusers themselves of mankind. <laughs> okay, let's pause. <laughs> ah, Brent. <clears throat> says you can make the Bible say whatever you want, and that is exactly what he goes on to do. He is making the scripture say what he wants it to say. <laughs> so he references the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. I'm going to turn over and, and I'm going to read it to us, and we can, we can see where we're at. This is the Jerusalem Council. This is the book of Acts, chapter 15. This is not Paul's writing. Luke writes the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 15, verses 22 through 29. Let me give you a little context here in case you don't know what the Jerusalem Council is. Uh, Paul and, um, at this time, Barnabas are, are going and they're preaching. And uh, come here, buddy. Got my pup down here trying to tear stuff up. <laughs> so Paul and Barnabas, they're they're going and and and, and they're preaching and and there's there's question amongst the Gentiles or amongst the, the Jews as to whether Gentiles can actually be saved or not. The circumcision question uh, comes into the foray. They they begin to debate this amongst themselves till they all convene together in Jerusalem and the first ever church council is held and it's recorded right here in the book of Acts, chapter 15. They come to consensus, come to a conclusion, and they send Paul out with a letter, and this is essentially the contents of the letter. Acts chapter 15, uh, verses 22 through 29. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among, among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers. With the following letter, the brothers both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greetings. Since we've heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and to send them to you with our beloved Paul and Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas and Paul, I'm sorry. Men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden than these requirements, <laughs> that you should abstain from what's been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what's been strangled and from sexual immorality. To keep these yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Brent's saying you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say, and then he goes on to make the Bible say what he wants it to say. <laughs> uh, Paul, Paul didn't say this at all. Um, but you know what? Maybe Brent doesn't know his Bible. This is why expository preaching slash teaching is always the superior form of teaching and preaching. This is why we should always go to the text and, and expound on the text rather than use the text to prove our point. Um... And, and, and certainly, I would agree with Brent that 
the Bible is pro-life, that, that there are other commands issued in Scripture, but, but the way that he has gone about proving his point here has actually been in an unbiblical way. So you can do good things in bad ways. Okay, I've had to grab my little buddy Petey one more time. <laughs> All right, next clip. Next clip. Let's, let's move on. Don't you want that? Guys, if you don't have a puppy, get one. <laughs> they're so they're so fun. The willfully ignorant, and that's Second Peter chapter three and verse five. They are willfully ignorant. The wounded and the and the novice. But let's listen to this with a common sense approach. It's not it's not complicated. You don't need the Greek and the Hebrew. Just the old King James. In like manner, also. So he said. He said, I want you to lift up holy hands and pray everywhere. And when the women do this, I want them to adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacing it in sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly. He said, not with this, I don't want this. He didn't say it shouldn't be. He said, lift up holy hands without gold, lift up holy hands in modest, dressed in modest apparel, lift up holy hands with shamefacedness, not your face painted 16 different colors. Not with braided hair, which is not having nothing to do with braiding. Some say, dude, it was braided, but they would weave gold and all kinds of things in their hair. It doesn't mean a little hair bow send you to hell. And some preachers have tried to say that. Or pearls or costly array. Why? Because when you go to church, we're not trying to see you. We're to see Jesus. Yeah. It's not complicated. Yeah, I agree with that. Young lady. You come traipsing down the aisle in a pair of tight jeans, the young men's eyes are turned to you. And that's not why we go to church. Okay, let me comment on the latter portion of that video before I expound on the, the rest of that clip. So if the idea is uh, you can't wear a pair of pants because it's going to make a, a young man lust, certainly you should, you should bear in mind, uh, sister, the, 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 the thoughts and the, and, the, and the eyes and the intent of others in the way that you dress. But you're not to be held accountable for a man lusting after you. So the idea of you're going to dress in such a way as to entice a man, um, now we should be careful. So I'm not speaking against modesty, but what, I, what I'm saying is this, is that families and parents, so he tells this story about this uh, family that I believe came to his church and they'd been in another church and all that the boys did was talk about what this lady was wearing and how this girl looked and all that and um, apparently very lustful boys. Now that's a discipleship problem and... I have a son, and and uh, God help me. Someday he'll be a he'll be a, a young man, and I want to um, disciple him in such a way that uh, when it comes time for him to be a man, that I don't have to um, that that he knows how to guide his eyes. So the point is, this disciple your children. So um, uh, the the idea behind discipleship is not blame everybody else for your sin. No, it's to learn how to conduct yourself when others may or may not do things that you approve of. So uh, maybe we should do better on teaching our boys a greater and stronger and a better sexual ethic is, is my point. So anyhow, uh, just, just, to, just to touch on that, that issue very quickly. Uh, but Paul here is he's using an example. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and he talks about, uh, it's, it's a worship passage of Scripture, I desire that in every place that the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling, Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, 
with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. Um, so he, he's making an example here. Um, he's not setting a standard. He's not being prohibitive. He's not saying, don't braid your hair. He's not saying, don't wear gold. If you were to uh, go, go on and look uh, back up to the next, next verse, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling, Paul's going to kind of contradict himself in other passages when he actually tells us that the, the, there's times when we'll be angry. You know, uh, be angry and sin not. There, there are times when, when that happens. So he's not necessarily, very carefully in the way that we approach this scripture, he's not necessarily setting a standard. He's using an example. So to interpret the gold and jewelry as the standard, I feel like, is to misinterpret Paul. Paul is not being prohibitive against jewelry here. He's telling do these things in modesty without moderate, or with moderation without excess. Pray everywhere. Lift up holy hands. That's the encouragement. All right, let's move on. And they make them some fig leaves and cover themselves. How do they know which parts of the body to cover? Because the nature itself teaches us. We know. God walks into the garden, and there's only two people alive, and they're husband and wife, and he says, that's not enough clothes. And he makes them what? Coats. Coats. And covers them. Little common sense. They didn't have sewing machines. They couldn't make clothes like we do. Things had to be just sewed together, make two halves sewed together. John the Baptist had a leather girdle on, okay? We got common sense. But don't tell me God doesn't care what we wear, okay? Then he said it's abomination for a man to wear that which pertains to a woman. A woman that demanded Deuteronomy, okay? Don't tell me God doesn't care. Then we find a man named Legion. And God saves him. And guess what? He quits running around without his clothes on him. Without any message, he goes and puts clothes on him. God wants us covered. Let's establish that first. Many people on this conversation, upon these chats, are going out and laying on the beach in, in less than Adam and Eve had on. And God said it ain't enough. And it was only one man and one woman in the world. And they were husband and wife. All right. That is actually going to be the last clip that, that we respond to here. Um, I had to go put my puppy up and I hear him crying in the other room. <laughs> so God wants us covered. I agree with you, Brent. I do agree that God wants us to be covered. And he mentions this laying on the beach half naked thing again. I don't know why that is such a thing for Brent, but it, but it is. I'm not sure where he keeps coming up with this, but a few things. Um, one, I affirm modest dress. I think that women should, should dress modestly. I think that our daughters should dress modestly. I think that, you know, that we shouldn't dress in such a way as, as to entice. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, but it's not Brent's job to critique my wife or any other woman, for that matter, on matters of dress. It's, not, it's just not your job, sir. It's just not. Um, maybe disciple the men. Talk to them about how that they could help their wives. But it's not your job to go critiquing people. It's, <laughs> discipleship begins at home. So let me say this, men, husbands, fathers, do your job. Show, show your young men, your sons, what it is to be respectful to a woman. Teach them to respect women. Uh, mothers, uh, show modesty before your girls. But it's not my job to go and, and try to critique everyone. You should wear this, you shouldn't wear that. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. So I'm not saying all of these things that I've said in these previous 
uh, this video and the, and the previous video in order to just start an argument with Brent. Um, I'd still very much like to speak with him. But here, here's why I'm doing this. Here's why I'm saying the things that I'm saying. I have three reasons why. Uh, one is to, be let it, is to let it be known that we will not be bullied by the authorities within the holiness movement any longer. Uh, they're out of line with scripture, and as such, we stand in opposition to their words. Uh, so that is, that's one reason. Um, and number two, the second reason, so there's, that's those of us that have left. So we're not going to be bullied by you guys. Um, number two is to call on those within the movement that have been passively standing by. I hear you see, say things like, oh, well, that's just so-and-so. That's just Brent. That's just whoever. Uh, we're, we're not all like that. That's not all of us. It's time to stop being passive. Uh, go to your pastor. Uh, and if you are a pastor, go to your congregation. Go to your people. Set the record straight. Hold men like Brent accountable for the words they say. Um, hold them accountable for teachings like this. If you're not this, if this isn't you, then, then don't allow this any longer. Let it be known we're not going to stand for this. So in the movement, there needs to be a stand made says we're not doing this anymore. But, but third and last and most importantly, the reason I make content like this and the reason that I've made this video is to help somebody out there that feels alone in the struggle. Friend, look, you're not alone. If you find yourself disagreeing with teachings like you've heard from Brent Marquis, here's my advice to you. Uh, it's run. Don't, don't walk away. Run. Find a gospel teaching church, a gospel living church. Immerse yourself in uh, the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, don't, don't just tiptoe away from this. Run away from this. I'm happy to talk with people like Brent, but if this is becoming so much of an influence on you that you feel abused by these teachings, run. Get away from that. Go to a place where the gospel is, is preached and taught and proclaimed. It's better than this. It's better than what we've just heard. Find a place of grace, a place of peace, a, a, a place of rest. I'll never forget the time I had a pastor reach out to me and say, look, uh, come and, and rest. And I've appreciated that ever since. So speaking of things like grace and peace, that's what I say to you guys. Grace and peace. I'll catch you next time. Thank you.